our voice tonight as we give him glory. He is the God of all spirits, Father of all flesh. And the Bible says that unto him that answers prayer shall all flesh come. We come to you because we know that you hear the petitions of our lips. Lift up your voice as you connect with him tonight. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. There is none to be compared with you. Bath. There is none to be compared with you. Oh God, oh God, we worship. Oh, we give you glory. My soul and my body I stand blameless before your throne, blameless before your throne, I've been commanded by the blood of the Lamb, my spirit, my soul, and my body, I thy presence. Show mercy upon us, your people. Let your grace be bountifully bestowed upon every soul and every man. Let the heavens, Lord, rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let every patchness be overtaken by the torrent, the strength of the river. And let your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of God. As you turn your Bible with me to the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter number 7, and we want to look upon some things tonight, then we'll begin to pray. Just in case you have someone sitting by your side, I'd like you to stretch forth your hand and say, You are welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, this is the only time you have that opportunity. Because when the river overtakes us, you may not get to know that the hairdo is good. You may not get to know that the suit is fitted. One more time, you can reach out and say, my God, you look good. <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, I have been remembered by the Holy Ghost. Well, you may not need to stand anymore, just... I want us to pray. There's somebody in our midst that is 
pray for that man. Pray for him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now give me some volume and may the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, I, I received some inspiration from heaven. And before the end of this year, there's somebody in this hall that the devil has already designed to, to collide with. And so I want us to redeem that one through prayer. Just lift up your voice and say, Lord, no one that comes into this house will go back under the markings of darkness. Can you let that one loose from the hold of the devil? We give you praise, we give you glory. You are not a man that you should lie. Neither are you the son of man that you should repent. We worship you, we magnify your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you the praise, we give you the glory, we magnify your name, we magnify your name, thank you great king, thank you great God, <laughs> in Jesus name we pray, please turn your Bible with me to the book of Acts of the Apostles chapter number 7, as we look upon the word of God. Tell your neighbor something is about to happen. If you read and if you know your Bible, you come to realize that in the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7, is a testimony of our great brother, the first Matthias in Scripture, Stephen. He was given his testimony. He was, he was trying to bring the elders of Israel to understand the significance of the ministry and the personality of Jesus. You see, in the school of the spirit, the first thing we must understand is that heaven takes the lead. Earth has its sustenance, support, 
earth has is propelling ability from the heavens. The Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and then the earth. The relationship, with the, yes, there's a relationship that exists between earth and heaven. But we must understand that heaven must take the lead in everything. At every point in time where earth becomes supreme and sovereign, then it is isolated, it is diminished, it cannot impact life, it, doesn't, it cannot carry and impact divinity. And so everything we'll do tonight, we want heaven to take the lead. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And so Stephen was given a testimony. He was trying to bring knowledge and wisdom to the elders of Israel concerning the significance of the ministry of Jesus. There's, some, there's a spirit here. My God. Now lift your right hand. Let's pray. Let's pray. There's a, there's a foul spirit in this hall. Oh, God. Somebody brought a spirit here today. Oh, we give you praise. We glorify your name. Our Father. Our Father. Our God, eternal King. All right. Uh -huh, you can. The spirit is, is gone now. Go back to your bag. <laughs> oh, my God. And he was trying to bring wisdom to the elders of Israel. To make them understand that the glory of Israel, if it will ever come to pass, it is tied upon and anchored upon that man, Jesus. If we take notice of the prophecy that Simeon gave when Jesus was brought to the temple for dedication. He said, this child is for the rise and for the fall of men. This child was ordained to bring Israel into glory. That if Israel was ever going to fulfill her destiny as a nation, it would be by this man. And Stephen was trying to bring the elders of the nation to reckon with that fact. Even though in theology, theologians believe that his message did not give due cognizance to homoeletics. It did not flow according to the theological pattern of a message. It, 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 it was a river. That's what theologians don't know. He was streaming out of heaven. He was, he, was, he was beaming from heaven. And he began to bring the leaders to understanding that Jesus is the circumference and the center of the destiny of the nation of Israel. And if they don't get to understand it, then they'll be missing something that will make God choose another people to take their place. It was a great exposition because he started the discourse from the very crucible, from the very query site of their heritage. Began from Abraham. How that God called him from beneath, beneath an, a, a Mesopotamia in order that he might be a pioneer of an agenda of heaven. And he began to tell the story. And when the story was accomplished and delivered, the elders of Israel, instead of receiving counsel and wisdom, they became offended. 
and then placed the death sentence upon him because uh, saying that he was a carrier of blasphemy. And while they took him out of the city to stone him to die, we find the record that I want you to see. Turn your Bible to Acts of the Apostle chapter 7. Something will happen today. Kayada <laughs> Masaka. I went to the bank one day and I was in the Holy Ghost. And sometime, somehow a wind from heaven began to blow. And I knew that if I stayed there much longer, there would be commotion in the bank. Especially on Monday morning, it's, it's terrible. I had to run out. Because a wind began to pipe out of a realm. <laughs> that wind penetrated the bulletproof doors. The wind went, behold, be, 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 it went behind the sealed gates. I don't know where it came from. That's why when any king think he's, he thinks he's 45, he thinks his citadel is impregnable, you lie. Because when God wants to pierce that very citadel of your fortress, he will pierce through a place that eyes cannot see. There is a river. The Bible says that the streams whereof makes glad the city of God. Oh my father. In Acts of the Apostle chapter 7. Something will happen in this nation. I speak boldly. I speak boldly because God is about to break forth on pain wasting. No hindrance of the devil will survive this time. Oh. Oh my father. Just in case we were marked by the devil for destruction before the end of this year. The devil lies. See, the devil cannot look upon you and say, I'll kill you tomorrow. It's not given to him. He doesn't have that capacity. But God, the Bible says, is not a man that he should lie. If by any means he makes an utterance, he can even make it a thousand years before the expected time. And he wants the devil, he wants demons, he wants hell, he wants every horde of darkness to stand to resist it. It will still come to I remember him. 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 Sorry, my mind went back many years ago when the devil came to kill me at the age of 12. And he, was, he had prepared for that day. That's what the Bible calls the evil day. When all the calculations of darkness have been put in place. When the radar, their compass have been intersected. Isolated a day from the year by which affliction will be your portion. And they plan for it before time and beforehand. And then come out to launch attack on you. It was such a time that I saw the hand of God. And in the company of four angels... See, darkness is nothing. If you know the light, darkness is nothing. Darkness is nothing. Darkness is nothing. Ah, I see something, a golden band fall from heaven. It's coming down from heaven. Someone by reason of occultic and witchcraft manipulation, you were, we were diverted out of your destiny. And the Spirit of the Lord speaks to me that you were diverted for eight years. But tonight, it doesn't take eternity for God to do that which is eternal. 
He is going to take you by the hand and He will lead you. And He will put a song upon your lips. In the name of Jesus Christ. You know, it's so difficult for me to read Acts chapter 7. Acts 7. In the book of Acts chapter 7 verse 54, the Bible says, When they heard these things, they were caught to the heart. And they crashed on him with their teeth. He was bringing a word of exhortation. A word that was embedded in wisdom. A word that was intended to bring direction. And to save the destiny of a nation. But instead of the elders accepting the testimony. Everyone knew that that testimony was true. But Stephen was living in a time where truth was not enough for you to survive with. Darkness! Where they are too. <laughs> but the Bible says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. When I read that scripture, because prior to this time I thought that heaven and earth were so separate and that God had placed a bronze ceiling in order to separate the heavens from the earth. But I see a man here, he's under pressure, he's about to be executed and suddenly he opens his eyes and he beholds heaven. Somebody say heaven. <laughs> I thought that heaven was a place that we'll get to see and know when we die. But a man just opened his eyes and the Bible says he looked steadfastly, carefully, intently. And he knew that the figure that he was seeing was not just a figure of a being, an angel, a cherub, an elder. It was Jesus that was standing in the heavens. He could identify Jesus. He was where? On earth. But he saw where? The Bible saying that he looks steadfastly. You know, if you don't look steadfastly, you may not get to see the image accurately. You may not know the personality you are seeing. But he was meticulous. The vision gave him time and space. He was able to look intently and to grab the true figure of the personality he saw. And by the operation of discernment of spirit, he knew it was who? I can hear your voice tonight. Oh my God, it was who? Surprisingly, the Bible says that Jesus was standing. I don't want to go into that this night. He saw into heaven. Come with me. Revelation chapter 4. Where I had a big message prepared from home. And when the brother gave the charge, my message died in my spirit. And that's why I don't have a note to find my way anymore. But you see, the, the Lord knows the way through the wilderness. <laughs> in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. There is John on the Isle of Patmos. And John began to say to us in the book of John chapter 1 giving us an introduction of himself that he was done. 
on the Isle of Patmos. And he was there like an outcast. He was driven out of civilization. And the reason was because he bore the testimony of Christ. He decided to stand his ground and not to shift ground and not to compromise. And he was living in a day where to compromise was an in thing. He was living in a time where truth no longer had value. Just like Stephen. And on the strength of the truth that he bore, he was sentenced to die. And he was casted out to the Isle of Patmos where criminals were cut off from civilization, cut off from food supply, so that they die of hunger, they die of stress and strain. That was why he was in Patmos. And in that Isle of Patmos, instead of meeting with his death, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to him. And in the encounter he had with Jesus, we don't have time to, to look upon that encounter. But he received an invitation in the book of Revelation chapter 4. The Bible says, after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven. Where was he? No, you are lost. You are not with me on the same page. If you are not with me on this, you are not with me on the same page. You see, if we know the ways of God, if we know the ways of heaven, if we understand how God operates, then we begin to see the results that God has manifest in our lives. That he was where? On Patmos. But he was ex- an invitation was extended to him. After this, he said, What? I looked, and behold, a door was opened. Where was the door? Now, this guy was on earth. And he said, after my encounter with Jesus, I stretched my hand and I looked. And somehow I saw what? A door. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> a door. And when the door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me which said, come up! An invitation was extended. And I will show you things which must be hereafter. And the Bible says what? Immediately there was in the spirit and behold a throne. This guy was on earth. He is now been ushered to the throne. Where is he? On earth. But he is interacting with what? The throne. And it was a throne that he was seeing. He began to handle and to touch and to communicate and to interact with a realm that was not tangible. God was bringing him into that dimension to handle things that eyes cannot see. To walk upon things that are not solid. He was being introduced to a realm. And that realm was as tangible as the natural realm because in that realm he identified Jesus. Stephen identified a man. Identified a personality. In that realm he identified a door. Hey! He saw a door he identified. In that realm he identified what? A throne. That's a real realm. That's a tangible realm. 
And he said, the other time when I began to teach on heaven, to demystify our concept and perspective of heaven, because we felt that, okay, when we die, we go to heaven. But the Bible is saying that men here are alive, but they are interacting with heaven. And notice there's something similar about all of these men. At the point that they began to interact with heaven, please give me volume. At the point that they began to interact with heaven, it was a point that they were under pressure. Uh, on the account of the truth that they bore, on the account of the testimony of Christ that was upon their lips, they were not ready to compromise it. Even though the society did not accept it, they have decided not to deny it. And everything that is attached to it, they have decided to stand as a living proof and a reality that that kingdom is real, that kingdom reigns, and that kingdom exists and abides forever. And that testimony was a testimony that they were bearing at a time when the devil had changed the price tag, has changed the perspective of good and evil. And it, uh, uh, the devil wanted them out of the picture. Because they are the only proof that there is another realm that exists. That is contrary to the realm that the devil was building in that day and time. And that was why John the Baptist was a threat to Herodias. He was the only one left to speak the truth. And if you are the only one left like that, the devil will want to cut you off. The Bible says concerning Lazarus, when Jesus raised him from the dead, the Jews wanted to kill him. Because upon his testimony of being raised from the dead, many began to follow Jesus. There are times like that when you're the holy man standing. That was how it was for John. And they brought pressure to bear upon him. And when that pressure came upon him, he began to interact with another writer. He saw a door. He was taken in the spirit. He saw what a throne and in the teaching I was making, I was doing the transport system of the spirit. That was, that's the transport system of the spirit. Oh, you, you don't get it. You, before you transport in the spirit bodily, you must understand this one first. Or am I going to high on Friday? There's a transport mode in the spirit. There's transportation in heaven. But we don't have time for all of that. But I just need to... <laughs> uh, you know when uh, Elijah was to be taken up, you know the Bible revealed that he was to be taken up by a whirlwind. But chariots came from heaven. What's that? Transportation. Well, I think we'll stop there. We'll stop there. The Bible says immediately, I was in the spirit. That's how we know that there's no distance in the spirit. Because in your realm, you have to trek to bus stop before you take a bus. But in this realm, transport is not by space. Transport is by the spirit. Immediately I was in the spirit. And suddenly he was before the throne. <laughs> Can I have volume here? Volume. Hallelujah. If you're still here, say Amen. I was in the spirit. And until you understand the move of the spirit, the streams of the spirit, the dimensions that the spirit of God governs and orchestrates, 
we will be using natural ability to accomplish the things that God has called us to do. We'll be natural men. Transport mode of the spirit ferried him. And he was before the throne. I want you to understand that this man will be having headache at this point. Because he's trying to understand where is that place that there is no distance? Where is that place? He's in trouble here. He thought the end has come. He never knew that it was a door. I'm telling the truth. If you know the things that we'll be discussing this weekend, the devil will be the least of all your troubles. <laughs> I've seen a place. I've seen a realm where the name of the devil is not mentioned. Everything goes on without the devil. And so your knowledge, your, your estimation of the devil is going to fall when you understand the way that realm operates. And in our Bible study previously, we began to see the things, they, how heaven is. But I don't want to bother you with what we have said before. Go with me to the book of uh, Revelation 22. We said the other time that in heaven there's a throne. We said the other time that in heaven there is a sanctuary. The reason why the Bible stated in the book of John chapter 12 verse 31 that now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth I will draw all men unto me. The reason why that statement was made was because there is a throne in heaven and what Jesus did on the cross was to pay the price to bring the throne on earth. Notice the Bible says, Now, in the judgment of this world, now, notice not tomorrow, say what? Now, the prince of this world is cast out. And if I, if by any means, because in the template it's not my duty to lift myself up. But if by any means I am lifted up. All of this will happen. All the people that were under the dominion of the devil. The dominion of the prince of this world. Caught up in the traffic of this world. They'll be drawn to me. I'll become the element that draws men. Influences destinies. My dominion will come into the earth realm, And that will be accomplished by paying the price on the cross. A carnal man will see crucifixion. But a spiritual man will see the price being paid to bring the throne into the earth. Because upon the cross there was an, there was an inscription in three languages. This is the king of the Jews. That statement reveals that the cross had to do everything with the kingdom. In bringing a dominion into this realm. That would displace the prince of this world. That would, de this, that, 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 that would destroy the hold and the grip of this world. So that I can become the governing government. Within this fair and this realm. I withdraw all men. Unto me. Alright. Did you get it to that point now? Okay go with me to the book of Revelation chapter 22. That's where I want to begin. So everything that is in heaven. God wants to bring it into the earth realm. So that he can operate in, on earth as he operates in heaven. Amen. 
And to you, a man of the spirit, heaven is a place that you can interact with. You should be able to interact with heaven. To interact with the throne. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayers and thanksgiving, prayers and supplication coupled with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And the Bible says, and the peace of God. That peace is a response from the throne. You should be able to interact with that throne. And know that now I'm before the throne. Now what is happening on my inside is a response of the throne. You should be able to operate in that realm and operate in this realm. Amen? Alright, come with me. In the book of Revelations, Revelations chapter number 1 and 2, the Bible says, And he showed me. Somebody say, he showed me. It happens to be that in that realm, there are several things that you can only but be showed. Mm. Do you realize that when you are studying your Bible carnally, except the Holy Spirit guides your eyes, <laughs> you will never see anything. You must understand that in that realm, you need a tour guide to show you things. Because you can pass there a hundred times and never get to see that's when you understand what faith really means. Because from the standpoint of faith, that who, he who sees with his eyes is blind. This is your natural eyes. If that's all the sight you have, faith calls you what? I can't hear you now. Calebros <laughs> katabalaya. Many times I have to pray. I say, Lord, show me. Show me. Because when you begin to interact with the realms of which I speak, you will know that the best of your sight is blindness and you will not have confidence in it. And God needs to usher you. He needs to lead you by the hand and show you. He said, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. If you keep operating within the scope of your carnal existence, you are limited in knowledge, limited in strength. In fact, you are, you are existing on the last strand of the mercy of God. The Bible says he showed me. Somebody said, Thou will show me. Do you notice that the psalmist said, Thou will show unto me the path of life. It means that the path, you don't know that path. You must be sold. He must bring you into it. For when the spirit of truth is come, He will guide you. If you are in that realm and there's no tall guide, you know nothing, you see nothing. It will be a journey of futility. And the Bible says he, he what? He showed. I'm just bringing our prayer points. Because we need to be shown things. Amen. When I was posted to Canon for youth service, and I knew that there was a purpose that was attached to my being posted there, that heaven was aware that I'm in Cano. 
and there is a description of a mission assignment that has been written on my account. But you see, I had to forget everything about my previous experience and previous mandate in ministry because it was a new territory and God has to show me the new assignment for this stage, for this time in my life. Hallelujah. And we began to pray. I began to pray on the mountaintop. Began to call upon the name of the Lord. I want to be shown why I'm here. And you see, mysteriously, God is such a wonderful fellow. Amen. You might be praying and say, Lord, I want to know why I'm here. Then he will show you somebody else and show you somebody else's problem. And say, oh my God, this person is about to experience some danger now. That which is showing you is not related to that which you want to see. But when you come to realize that your tall guy actually has the preeminence of where you will go per time and what you will know per time, you get to understand that your intention may not be as important to him as that which he wants to show you. I believe that John did not want to see what he was being shown here. He had some points in his heart. Where will you bring deliverance to me? I'm on the Isle of Patmos. Everyone has deserted me. The whole body of Christ don't know if I'm dead or alive. Instead, he showed me. <laughs> you don't understand. You're not with me. <laughs> Many times, God, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. That's what you're saying in your heart. But he leads you by the hand and says, Sailor. Why? Because he is the one that guides you. He's the one that shows you. If you begin to pray and it's as if what you are seeing is not what you want to see. It means that as far as God is concerned, what you are seeing is more important than what you are asking about. And so you have to forget. See, in seeking God and seeking the face of God, you come to realize that revelation does not just come. Many times you have to die to what is in your heart. So that you can see what is in his own heart. And it's always difficult working with God. Because his frequency of operation is not within the same frequency of your mind. That which is in your mind may not be that which is on the heart of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says he showed me. I prayed many times and said, God, why am I kind of? And I, I was praying with fasting. I prayed for one month. Said, why am I here? Then he will show me something. Friends, it took eight months of prayer and fasting to be shown my assignment. And for God's sake, youth service is 12 months. You don't get it. I know somebody here saying, my God, my biological time clock is ticking so fast. The husband has not yet come. My rain has not come down from heaven yet. I'm almost 40. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then instead of him showing you a man, six foot tall, walks in central bank, he, he moves with a limp. God will just show you your village. 
And he said two idols were, were, were caved in here. That's why darkness has stayed. Somebody say he showed me. I am Eight months on the mountaintop. First month with fasting. Say yes, you have been hunting me for a long time. Now I've come. What do you want me to do? Some of you may, may think that when the light hit a pole and he fell down the donkey and then suddenly he said, what do you want me to do? And then Jesus said, all right. No. He didn't answer. Do you know that the man had to go and pray? You don't understand. You must understand how to until you come to that point where you realize that being shown is more important than anything on earth. You will walk like a man. You will travel like a mortar. You will not understand the grace that is in the realm that you have been called to. You will not understand the provision and the language of that realm and that reality. Eight months praying with fasting. With fasting, I was so sensitive that time that when I sleep and a, a, a demonic spirit projects into the room, ah, I wake up. But for eight months, I prayed, but it was not time for him to show. And after eight months, I stopped praying about my prayer point. I just came blank. I said, All right, I'm here. And then he showed me. He said, raise a crusade platform for me. And I will begin to deliver this people. How many months left? Four months left for you service to end. I spent eight months on the mountain. How can one crusade deliver this whole land in four months? How long will it take to plan it? If you are going to be a man of the spirit, many times you need to put your mind behind. That your strong mind is the reason why you are checking. Why you are, you, are, you are late. Your mind is strong. We are so analytical. You must find the average, the curve, the radius, the diameter. And then when you see it, it's not compatible. You will stay there for a while. But if you understand that you will be shown the things that you seek, then you allow the tour guide to guide you into all truth. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. The Bible says, And he showed me a pure river of water, of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. These were the things he was shown. Another revelation about heaven. And he said that there is a river there. And that river is as pure 
as what? As crystal. Notice the testimony of Stephen. Stephen, the Bible says, he looked diligently and he was able to see that it was Jesus standing. So obviously this man had also looked diligently to understand that the river was as pure as what? For eight months I called upon the name of the Lord and when God gave me the instruction I felt the time was up. Then it took three months to plan the crusade. We started from I think um, August, September, October, November. We tried to do it in October. It didn't work. Because the brethren were afraid. There was a legislation from the State House of Assembly that Christians should not hold public Christian meetings. And if we held the crusade, it was a violation of that law. And so several people now backed out and we became few. I was discouraged. I went back to God. Say so now, when we were 12, you didn't, you didn't come down. Now, we are five. Then he showed me in the scripture where the Bible says, God has no restraint. Either to win with many or to conquer with few. It's more glorious when there are few. We can do something more effective when there are few. When you gather a multitude, everybody has an agenda. But when we are few, we can take on the devil. And there will be no weakness in the chain. And we set out for the Lord. And God began something. <laughs> Somebody say he showed me. Alright, let's go, let's proceed. Just two more scriptures and we'll begin to pray. Now by reason of the revelation that John had here, it's indicative of the fact that in heaven there is a river. Amen? There's a river in heaven. And the Bible reveals that that river is as pure as crystal. Now, I would like us to move to other scriptures and understand this river very well. Because I said that every time or anything you see in heaven that makes heaven a conducive place for God, God wants to bring that thing into the earth realm so that the earth too can be conducive for him. Because the Bible says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Everything that is in heaven that is a portrait of the settled will of God, God wants to bring it into the earth realm so that the earth can be equally as conducive as heaven is. So if there is a river in heaven that adds up to the conducive nature of heaven, then God needs that river to be down here on earth so that God can be also the earth can be conducive for him as heaven is. Are you still with me now? Hallelujah. Alright. And so the Bible says that he showed me a river of pure, pure water as crystal. Now if we move to the book of Ezekiel quickly. Quickly. Quickly now. Quickly. And do not forget that scripture in the book of Psalms. That says there is a river. The streams whereof makes glad the city of God. He's speaking about this same river. That what makes heaven glad, what makes the city of God glad, is that what there is what? A river there. 
that river flows in heaven and makes heaven a place of gladness. I don't know how that river does that, but the Bible says there is a river. The streams thereof make glad the city of God. And if this river gets to flow on earth and gets to flow in your life, the same thing that the river does in heaven, the river will do where? In your life. Hallelujah. In the book of Isaiah chapter 47, just turn your Bible with me quickly. Sorry, Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel chapter number 47 as we proceed. In verse 1 the Bible says, Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out of from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood towards the east, and the waters came down from under from under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then he brought me out of the way of the gate of the north, and led me about the way without unto the altar gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. And again he measured a thousand and brought me through, and the waters were to the loins or to the waist. And afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a water that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Do you realize that he's been shown here? And many times the tall guy that takes you to the places in heaven, he wants to know if you saw the things that he showed you. They say, Did you see it? <laughs> you know with me. <laughs> The Bible says that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Alright? So they are heavenly what? Are you know what I mean? Heavenly what? Places. Places in heaven. And there are several times like that. What you need to stir you up into another frequency in your ministry is in a place in heaven. And you must be guided, led by the hand to that place. Now, many guys don't understand what it takes to live perpetually, spiritually refreshed. Why do you think your tongues change? Why do you think it's not mechanical? Every time you, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis of God, is stirred upon your inside and begins to find expression on the outside through utterance, through manifestations of God. It is never the same. The last time you moved in the gift of healing, was a different experience from the other time you moved in the gift of healing. Because he takes you to a new place. 
And that's why if you are not in tune with God consistently, you don't know Him at the time that you disconnect from Him. Because He's somewhere that you don't know. He's in a place that you do not know. If you were consistent with Him, you would have been led to that place. But as long as you are not where He is leading you to, and you are actually under the mercy of the tour guide. If the tour guide, the pace of the tour guide is much more than your pace, you are backslidden. You know, we say someone has backslidden when he finds himself in the beer parlor, singing under the inspiration of Gulda. No, that guy is lost at that point. But you are backslidden when the tour guide taking you from place to place in the realm, if you experience a disconnect from the tour guide, because you will not see anymore. You will not be shown anymore. And if you are not shown anymore, you operate by your experience. You operate by your mind. You become predictable to principalities and powers. And the Bible says, after that Ezekiel was taken, just for him to understand that, he, you see, see, there are measures of interaction with this river. Measure. Somebody say measure. I remember um, a great Bible teacher. He began to teach the scriptures one day and he came to realize that when he was doing his Bible teaching, some guys got healed. And they testified. And the healing was genuine. Another time he was teaching again and some healings began to take place. You got healed? Yeah, I got healed. The asthma left me. The lung condition left me. The pain on the back, it left me. My God, when the teacher heard that, he wrote up posters and said, Healing extravaganza. And just before he went to the pulpit, the Lord whispered to him and said, The measure, your measure, the measure you are in is not enough for you to hold a healing meeting. <laughs> you, are, you are not with me. You are not here. Not. See, oh my God. May God open your understanding to understand what I'm saying. He, he had a measure. But that measure was not enough for him to begin a campaign. And so the tour guide is revealing to us that on the basis of our interaction with this river, there are measures. And what is possible with you is the extent of all the measures that you are interacting with. Are you with me now? I had a friend those days. He's a Bible teacher and he doesn't need to pray before he teaches. When he just wakes up and says, okay, Bible time, all right. He goes into the scripture and he begins to teach and we get blessed. So he now saw us praying and fasting and fasting, dry fasting and falling on the ground sometimes because of weakness. He said, my God, why do you guys need to fast like this? I just wake up and I pick the scripture and it flows out of me like a hurricane. Hallelujah. He never knew why we were praying and fasting the way we did. Many years later, he discovered that his measure did not increase. Somebody said there's a variable. Tell your neighbor there's a variable that you need to know about. And that variable is called measure. The tall guy was trying to make this guy understand that there are places and there are realms and dimensions that have a greater measure of this river. And so those guys will experience a greater reality of what this river is bringing. Oh, we don't have time to go into scriptures. We don't have time. 
I would have taken you to the book of Genesis. Where the Bible reveals that God came and planted a river in the Garden of Eden. And the river that God planted in Eden, it branched out into four heads. The first one was Gishon. Second one, Pishon. Third one, Hedekel. The fourth one was Euphrates. And as this river flowed out, you will see that it began to erode the ground. And all the treasures that were, that were beneath the earth, wherever the, the rivers passed, it revealed it. And that's why you will hear that Gishon, it flows in Arabia, where there is gold. Because it's the river that went and revealed what God had placed on the inside of it. Hedekel. <laughs> we don't have time to go into that. But you must understand that that which will come out, that which will be manifest, is to the extent of the measure that you are interacting with. If you like the measure you have now, there's no problem. You'll be like that in the next 1,000 years. That measure. Hallelujah. If you are wise, you will take your journey. Because in God, there's a perpetual increase in measure that we can access. God has no end. So the measure that you are operating in should be on, on an upward bound of increase. Because there are several times that you might discover in your life, maybe some new things have begun to happen. It's because you have entered into a stream that has a higher measure. It's not really a different thing happening. It's the same thing happening on what? A higher measure. And what most of us need for the challenges that will be coming next year is a higher measure of that which God is doing on your life. When God brings you into the mode of your grace, He brings you into the mode of your anointing, brings you into the mode of your call, what He does subsequently is that He brings you into higher measures of that grace, higher measures of that anointing. And I need you to understand that every gift of the Spirit, we are this, oh my God. These people want me to shout. Microphone is... Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every gift of the Spirit is as deep as God. The word of knowledge is as deep as God. The discernment of Spirit is as deep as God because it's occasioned by the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It is brought to manifestation by stream. It's brought into operation by the Spirit, not by the man that is carrying it. In fact, the gift of the Spirit is not even a sign that that man is spiritual because he operates under the sovereignty of God. And everything that comes from God can be as deep as God. So that gift can be as, is as deep as God. But it depends on the measure you are operating in. There is a measure, but that doesn't mean that that's the end to that operation. There is a higher measure attached to that operation. And until you move to another measure of the rivers, you may never know that that which is taking place in your life functions by a deeper measure. Hallelujah. Now, there was a time like that when initially the first gift of the Spirit that operated in my life was the gift of prophecy. And it was laid strong upon my heart, a word from God. Laid strong. And I began to tremble in the service. I, I, because I didn't want to disrupt the service. But I couldn't hold it anymore. 
And then I had to let it go. And then I felt free. And two weeks later, I came to pass. Oh my. And then the time he came again, trembling. They were about to share the grace and I was dying. Jesus. I had to let it go. And it came to pass. And then my trouble started. My problems began from that point. That where did the Spirit of God leave us? To speak through you. We are, we are the ones with the mic. We are the ones on the podium. How come the Spirit of God left us and came to you? <laughs> Hallelujah. And that was what I experienced on that level. And a time came where I don't need to tremble anymore. It just comes like that. I know it. And then a time came when prophecy started coming in form of pages, visions. And I could see it. Hallelujah. Because as we continue, you discover that every operation of God has a channel. And one operation of God can operate through seven different channels. And you, what you may know is just one channel. God does not only want to give you a different measure. He also wants to reveal to you a, another channel. Because there are several times where God may not want to use one channel. For, his, for reasons best known to him. There are several times that God will never speak through a voice, inward voice. Because it's best known to him. If you have been in meetings before, in places where people prayed very well before you came, you are bound to experience a different stream than that which you are used to. God's channel will come, another channel will open. And if you're not a man that is yielded to the tall guy, your journey might end at the old place. Are you with me now? Alright. Go with me, go with me. I want us to do this thing for the next five minutes and we'll begin to pray. So after showing him measures, then he showed him an ultimate measure. That ultimate measure is a place where a man's will can no longer influence things. That's when it becomes a river that no man can flow over. That means if you are going to go over to the other side, you must yield to the wheel of the stream. The stream has a wheel. There is a direction that the stream wants to go. And if you want to go with the stream at that point in time, must be at the risk of losing control. Are you with me now? You have to lose control to flow on that level. And that's the ultimate level. At that point in time, you have come to a point in your, your growth process with God where you have understood that the operations of God are superior to the operations of your mind. And because of that, you have given God the right of way to decide what He wants, to go where He wants to. I came here with a sermon, a brilliant sermon, wonderful sermon, well choked with relevant scriptures to make it alive. Hallelujah. Prayed for Seven days, no sermon came, so I had to make one for myself. And my sermon will be relevant if God does not change it. Do you understand that? Yes, it will be relevant if God does not change it. Because there's no point coming where you are not prepared. There must be some. If God doesn't change it, it means, well, alright, I trust that what you have will do good enough. But when I came, the man began to speak about a river. He got tests. Ah! 
And the more he stresses it, my sermon, I try to. Yeah! Then he oh, Jesus. Then I ran out of the hall. I said, don't take this sermon away. Hallelujah. I spent time to make it up. Then the more he speaks again, even outside I could hear his voice. River, this test. But then I knew that the cure to test was a river. Say, tall guy, taking you to a place. And that's what happens to you every time people pray and then you come to teach. Your sermon goes. And only the river stays. And if you will go with a tall guy, then you need to leave your mind behind. And then yield to the integrity and the power of the, of the torrent of the waves. Hallelujah. Now let me take you briefly. Now answer the apostles quickly. Let me explain the levels. The levels. Thank you Jesus. In Acts of the Apostle chapter 3, the Bible reveals to us Sorry, chapter 2. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had spoken to them. He said, alright, you guys, I'm about to bring something upon you, but you need to wait for me. And you know, the historical perspective reveals to us that they waited in prayers for 10 days. What we call 10 days prayer chain or something. 10 days prayer stretch. They just stayed in prayer. Stayed in prayer. And then after a while, you know, any of the leaders that is inspired by God with a doctrine will bring that doctrine and they will be energized and stay in prayer. Hallelujah. That's what they were doing. Now, you must understand something quickly. The Bible now revealed that on the day of Pentecost, there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind. You see, anytime rain wants to fall, there's always a wind. Great sound. In fact, that word sound there in the original language means an alarm signal. Was There's always thunder signals that something's about to come. And those signals were audible signals, not spiritual. Push. Great signals. And that's why people gathered. Okay? Alright. And then these guys began to speak in tongues. Actually, what was happening was that the river that is in heaven, that was trapped in heaven, now began to come into the earth. That was what Jesus meant when he said, on the last day of the feast, he that thirsts, let him come unto me. And he that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall gush forth rivers of living water. Now you will notice in Genesis, God planted a river on the ground. And that river branched into four heads, as I said. But you see, when the, the Bible speaking says that in the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. 
the meaning of that scripture was that um, uh, people now had political boundaries called nations. And that began from the time of Peleg. So we now say, okay, we here, we call our own territory this. We are, we have a, we are self-governing. If you will stay among us, then you must yield to our law. That happened from the days of Peleg. And when, when territorial boundaries came into manifestation, those rivers that were on earth were hijacked by nations. And so we could call one River Benway. It was not like that before. We could call one what? River Niger. So nations hijacked them. So when nations hijacked them, God now decided, that, okay, I'm going to place the river somewhere else where no nation can take. And it was that which Jesus came to announce on the last day of the feast. That out of his belly will flow what? Rivers of living water. And notice that these guys were praying before Pentecost for about 10 days. And then there was a wind. There was a sound. And then they began to speak in tongues. Notice every time they spoke in tongues like this, he affected cities. Because the river, when it breaks out, there is a sign that shows that it has come. It makes glad the city of God. So everywhere it breaks into, you can come to a service downcast under the yoke of the devil, just sad and bad. But when that river hits you somehow, it makes glad the city of God. And you don't have a reason for the joy that has come upon you. But the reason is that they leave you connected to the river. And on the day of Pentecost, these guys began to speak in tongues. And when they began to speak in tongues, the dwellers in the city did not understand that it was the river. That was gaining momentum. From that point, the river in heaven began to break out upon the earth. But I need us to you profile the book of Acts of the, the Apostle chapter 2. Then we see the stages of the river. Then it begins to view. Until it comes to a point where Ananias and Sapphira came and lied. At that point, the river was already in that place where no man can swim over. And when they came as men, they were drowned. They could not stop that which had, it had been building it has gained capacity, gained momentum. It was on a torrent, and at that point, you have to be careful. And every increase in the midst of that river is an increase in the presence of God's government by His Spirit in the territory. There is an extent to which we go, you can't practice witchcraft in Makodi again. Because the river has accumulated in the city and it's moving with such a torrent. That when a man wants to swim over, it will be taken. Hallelujah. And the interesting thing about this river is that if you are just one man, you are not powerless. Because he said, out of his belly shall come forth what? Rivers. Notice that it was only one river God planted in Eden. But inside of your spirit man, he has planted what? Rivers. 
Can you see something breaking up? Heaven was not created with a bronze ceiling. Right now, God is God's will that you interact with that realm. And bring all of heaven into the earth. So that the will of God will be done on earth. As it is done. Where? Before I round up tonight. Let's try to see what happened in Acts of the Apostles chapter 2. Oh my God. Now, uh, no, you are late. Behind. Strike that cord for me. Now I want us to allow some of that river come here tonight. Give me volume. Every time the river comes down, it makes glad the city of God. You can, be just, you can just be one man, a youth copper. You go to a village that is full of darkness. If you can start releasing the rivers. At first, it will not make any meaning. Because it's still ankle deep. It may not be able to create anything strong enough to push, to erode structures. But if you stay. I never knew. What God never told me was that the eight months prayer was a time it would take to bring the rivers operational in the territory. Was a time it would take to bring that stream to that point where it can erode everything that is in its way. And when you stand in that day, when the river's already activated. And you say, let God be God. And let every man be a liar. His word will go forth like thunder. Maybe you are in a lonely place. Calling for the Lord. And it's as if you are not seeing it. Stay. The time will come where the river has a wheel. It will drive with the wheel of its own. And when anything stands in its way. It will erode it. And it was Ezekiel that said that at that point, everything that was crawling and everything that was dead, when that river came to touch it, it brought it back to life again. The river can come to a point that it can quicken from the dead that which has died. And Jesus said, everyone that tests, he said, let him come. And he that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. Kalabosa Malahaya. Notice that John said he showed me a river of pure crystal, a living rivers of what? Living water. What does it mean that the rivers are alive? You have seen River Bedway. You have seen River Niger. I don't know whether Consisa has a river. But you see, there is a river that is alive. <laughs> it's alive. And you know, whereas if you enter into River Bedway and you don't know how to swim, you will die to drown you. This one, if you have died already and it comes and it touches you, it will quicken that which has died and it will bring it back to life. It's living water. It's alive. Oh, for the prayer meeting, maybe only five people came. That's not a problem. If we can bring 
sufficient rivers. The devil is threatened because everyone that he has slain, everyone that he has cut off, if that river gets to touch them, it brings them back to life. Somebody rise on your feet, let's pray tonight. That river. Oh, namaskale malahai. Let the way of your glory cover us. Let the light of your river flow. Let the truth of your kingdom let it rain in us. Let the rain of your glory. Let the rain of your glory. Somebody reach out to the Lord tonight. What is that thing that has begun to die? You are coming out of that entanglement of the devil. There is a river. That makes glad the city of God. Shelama, glad de la 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 yana. Sore na benaskale. Oh, sana merakate, merabada da na manshada. La la le le la la le la. Mama, Oda Baragana, Sela Nana Makati, Sala, Lala, 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 Lala,
In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And some time ago, by the sovereignty of God, God began to bring us together to pray. Dangerous things happen when people connect together to pray. Especially when the prayers are consistent. Unknown to them, something begins to build in the realm of the spirit that is not visible to the human eye. They tap into the rivers in heaven and begin to release it upon the earth. Begin to release it upon the earth. Every time that river found a valve, a valve sufficient enough to give it liberty to break into the earth, it took over cities. Remember that time when Jesus began to speak with the woman at the, at the well. What Jesus was doing in the spirit was to build inside of the woman a well. And that's why the sight of, of the discussion was in a sight that revealed that which Jesus was doing. At the end of the discussion, just one woman hit the entire city. And the river from the well broke out. And the entire city came out. Every time these rivers break out upon a place, cities are taken. Nations are taken. Tomorrow when we come, you'll see that there are several levels and several dimensions and several things that God does to give water. Sometimes He gives them wells. Sometimes He gives them streams. Sometimes He gives them rain. Some other times He gives the dew upon Mount Hammon. Other times, He gives them rivers. <laughs> Hallelujah! And we began to pray together began to connect together. At first it looked mechanical. When we came out of the prayer room, we had back pain and chest pain. Because most of the prayer was in the flesh. And a time came when the Holy Ghost began to take over. Terrible things happened when men began to pray. And we began to pray. It was on campus. We just began to connect with God. And a time came, somehow people began to prophesy. A time came, the prayers began to go high. A time came, things began to happen. A time came, people in the community began to die. A time came where we experienced the first revival on Minnesota University campus. It happened in my time. People come to you to give their life to Christ. And that prayer was prayed faithfully by only 12 men. Who told you that you alone cannot bring deliverance to your family? Who told you that you need a legion of men to stand together in agreement before the darkness among your people can be broken? Lift up your voice tonight and say, Lord, let the rivers flow. Let the rivers flow. Let the rivers flow. Every time the rivers break out, supernatural things begin to happen. Mighty things begin to break out. Yes, God can change everything. When the rivers are, are let loose, he that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his innermost being shall gush forth rivers, rivers of living water. Papa, 
Father, let the rivers flow. Let the rivers flow. Let the rivers flow. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Let the rivers flow. Somebody pray. Let the rivers flow. Let the rivers flow.
Amen. 